is executive director of the Labor Institute in New York. Les Leopold is author of his new book, Runaway Inequality. It charts the connections between rising economic inequality and other critical issues that we face. And it ranges from climate change to mass incarceration and calls for a collective response across issue silos. He's a graduate of Princeton University's Woodrow Wilson School for Public and International Affairs, author of The Man Who Hated Work and Loved Labor, The Looting of America, and How to Make a Million Dollars an Hour. Ooh, I need to read that one. Les Leopold is our guest. Les, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. Good afternoon, Leslie. So nice to be here. Nice to have you with us. Income inequality has been an issue, uh, not just for Democrats, as we saw in the midterm election, but across the board. It's doing very well and playing very well for Senator Sanders. Why do you think this resonates with voters so strongly? Well, I think they're experiencing the impact of runaway inequality. Uh, and I don't think they, re- in, in a way, I don't think they've realized uh, how bad it is. In 1980, the gap between the top 100 CEOs and the average worker was 45 to 1. So one car for the average worker, 45 for a top 100 CEO. Today, it's 844 to 1. 844 to 1. It's like impossible to imagine how big that gap is. And, uh, you know, there, there, there are two competing narratives about what that means. One narrative says, well, you know, that's okay. The rich get richer, and, you know, the whole economy does better, and we're all going to do better, and everybody should have an opportunity to be rich, and it's really about equal opportunity. The other narrative, which I think people really feel, is that as runaway inequality accelerates, the rest of us are suffering. The average worker has not had a real pay rate raise in terms of uh, buying power since 1980. I mean, wages have been stagnant, and it's not getting better. There's no magic pendulum in the economy that swings back and forth, and it's going to sort of get better by itself. It just isn't. You know, since the last... Uh, I, I, this might be the one that puts people over the edge. We're in a recovery now. Uh, and si- since that recovery began, oh, let's say roughly 2009, 95% of all the new income has gone to the top 1%. The rest of us are scrambling for, you know, for 5% of, of all the new income growth. So I think people are feeling it. I think they see it in their kids who are loaded up with debt. And I, I just think it's a, 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 something fundamentally wrong with how our economy is structured. And uh, whoever addresses that, uh, Bernie addresses it, he's going, to, he's going to get support. I think Hillary's going to address it in, uh, if she's a uh, candidate, then she'll be getting support. Whoever ignores it is going to really suffer. And, and when we talk about this so that people understand, this is an economic crisis. And, and going forward, it only worsens, correct? Absolutely right. Uh, it began when we instituted what we're calling the Better Business Climate Model back in the late 70s. And it was cut taxes, cut regulations, cut social spending, uh, you know, stop pampering unions, and there'll be a lot more investment and profits in this economy, and all boats would rise. But the dirty little – didn't happen, right? So the dirty little secret of that uh, new philosophy that actually captured both political parties was the deregulation of finance. And when we deregulated finance, all hell broke loose. These corporate raiders went in and bought up company after company, loaded them up with debt, and changed the entire way that American corporations ran. Catch this. In 1980, a CEO got paid 95% of their pay was salary and bonuses. 5% were stock incentives. Today, 
it's exactly the other way around. 95% of a CEO's pay are stock options and stock incentives, and only 5% salary and bonuses. So all they care about, and all the hedge funds and private equity raiders care about, is raising the price of the stock. And here's the heart of the dirty little secret. What they did was uh, they, they, they got a rule change in 1982 uh, from the Security and Exchange Commission, which allowed the companies to buy back their own shares. Before that, this was considered stock manipulation. When you buy back your own shares, there are fewer owners, and the value of the stock goes up marginally. makes a little bit of a difference. If you own millions of shares, it makes a big difference to you. So what happened was, uh, before that rule change, 2% of corporate profits went to stock buybacks. Today, it's 75% of all corporate profits go to stock buybacks. Think about that. So everybody working in a corporation is basically working to create cash flow to buy back their own sh- to buy- have the company buy back its own shares to enrich the CEO and the CEOs and the big hedge fund and private equity investors. This has changed the entire ballgame. It's ripped the country apart. And only now is this story being told to the American people as a whole. And that's why I think uh, uh, the issue of runaway inequality has jumped to the surface. And it connects many, many issues that we now face. It's not just an isolated issue. Oh, that's just on Wall Street. It's ripping through our society. And why isn't this something that, because it resonates so much with voters, and after the recession, so many people, there are a lot of people out there who do feel the rich should pay more and they should pay their fair share. Yet we we see who's number one on the right today and sweeping up, you know, voters like a tornado, and that's Donald Trump, who in a sense is the poster child for income inequality, if you will. Why do you think there's this contradiction between support and, you know, many of those Americans who suffer from the income inequality that Donald Trump, you know, very much benefits right. from? Well, that's a great question, and it is the question. And I think it goes like this. This uh, uh, Academics call, it, call this better business climate thing the neoliberal uh, framework. That neoliberal establishment uh, is, is what Donald Trump is attacking. That neoliberal establishment is for free trade, which has really impacted negatively a whole lot of workers all over the country. You know that so well. You've covered that story uh, many times. He's attacking free trade agreements. He's attacking what he, he's saying. I'm self-funded. Uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, not. Uh, I'm going to uh, be able to attack the political corruption that's you know making military spending wasteful, making Social Security whatever pharmaceutical industries got one rap after the other. He said, "Yeah, I made my billions off of the system. Now I'm going to make the billions for you." He, he's attacking the system, this neoliberal runaway inequality system from the outside. So is Bernie. My fear for Hillary is she's not enough on the outside. Oh, do I wish she didn't take those speaking fees. Uh, if she just stepped a little further out, she could also buy for that kind of angry voter. Maybe she doesn't need it, but I'm worried about Donald Trump. I'm really worried because he's tapping into those people who feel that this establishment, ha- and it's a broad establishment, it's not just a couple of people. Uh, you know, it's the politicians and the pundits and, you know, developers and all kinds of people. He's now attacking it from the outside and therefore picking up the disaffected vote. Uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I'm hoping we can do something about that. Are there individuals out there who perhaps 
don't realize the magnitude of income inequality. And, and Les, you may know what I'm uh, referring to. A year or two, uh, there were about a dozen of the trillionaires, that is with a T, in, in the world who had a come-to-Jesus meeting because they see the problem with this. And they see they need to do something to offset this or this will be a financial disaster, not just in the United States, but worldwide going forward. Well, look, again, you're making a very, very uh, good point here. Uh, I, I think the problem has been that uh, there have been this in, these incredible studies done of what the American people think about income inequality. If you ask them, they'll say that, the income, that right now it's about 45 to 1. So they're still back in 1970. They have no idea it's 844 to 1. That's the first problem. Issue. The second thing is, if you ask them what they want it to be, a strong Democrat will say 5 to 1. A strong Republican will say 12 to 1 for an average of about 8 to 1. It's 844 to 1. So I can understand how uh, a billionaire uh, could be very worried about what happens when the American people find out or when people around the world find out how extremists become. And I think when more media outlets, like uh, more shows like yours, start to talk about this, it's, it's going to have resonance. Look, I, let me give you a great example of, of the power of, of ideas. In the summer of 2011, the Obama administration was negotiating a grand bargain with Congress, uh, with the Republican Congress, to uh, uh, trim back uh, programs like Social Security and uh, debt reduction and so on. And Obama had actually cut back, uh, uh, cut back the you know, number of jobs in the federal government. Then came Occupy Wall Street. That uh, austerity uh, idea went right off the table. The whole country and was talking about uh, we are uh, the 99%. Then a couple years later, became, uh, 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 we got Elizabeth Warren all of a sudden becoming a phenomenon. And then you have Bernie Sanders. I mean, can you imagine a more uncharismatic person than Bernie Sanders? I mean, you've pro- you probably know him. I mean, you know, kind of like me, grumpy old guy from New York. Uh, but He's saying, he's speaking truth about what, how the system is set up, and all of a sudden he gets this enormous following. Uh, so the American people are not defenders of Wall Street. They know something's wrong. And as they find out more, it could be very explosive. It can go right or it can go left. It's not going to go center. It's either going to go to Trump or it's going to go to a progressive version of Trump. And I hope that the Democratic Party moves in, that, in the direction to capture this on the liberal side. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this with our guest. Uh, We're talking about inequality. Uh, We're talking about economic inequality and why it matters. It is Super Tuesday, and we're going to uh, talk about the ugliness of this issue, how it is an economic crisis, and what happens if we let this run away from us. We, the voter, have the power to change that. Les Leopold is our guest, executive director of the Labor Institute in New York. Be sure to follow Les on Twitter at L-E-S underscore Leopold, L-E-O-P-O-L-D. The website is runawayinequality.org. And on Facebook, follow him there and his organization, facebook.com forward slash runawayinequality. He is executive director of the Labor Institute in New York, back with Les and you right after this. You have questions, call us only one more segment with him before our second guest in this hour. Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. On Twitter, follow me, at Leslie Marshall. I'll incorporate your tweets. Don't go away. 
We are back with our guest, Executive Director of the Labor Institute in New York, Les Leopold. Les, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Let's take some calls before I continue asking questions. And uh, let's start it off with Max in Virginia online, too, listening on TuneIn. Uh, Max, thank you for joining us. A question or comment for our guest, Les Leopold. Uh, yeah, I'd like to make a, a comment. You know, like I, I noticed it in 2000 that, um, you know, like – I work in the boating industry, then our sales started to slow. And that was for the sales for, for boats that we worked on under a million dollars. Okay, so a lot of, you know, so I went to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, and well, a few years later, and I noticed that the uh, employment numbers started to decrease. So, you know, we started to lose jobs over here in the United States quite some time ago. And, and uh, one of the things was is that, the company that I work for, you know, they used to own like 15 different companies. And I noticed that the ones that, uh, you know, the part that we could sell to people that didn't have health care, the lower part of it, we were selling in the United States. The, the parts that were uh, the good quality jobs, we were selling to Denmark and France. And that, that's where, where those jobs were going. They were, people were still being able to have health care and stuff like that. And it, it was people, Americans, you know, the wealthy Americans that don't pay taxes, that these people wanted to sell the businesses that, I mean, yeah, they, they invested in everything, but, you know, the patents, the patents that they have, I, I actually worked on them. So we actually designed the patents using their money to create stuff. But, you know, but that, that more or less, we weren't doing it for them to make money. We were doing it uh, not just for us to... Uh, have a job, but to us to create work. But they wanted to make a quick profit. They sold it out to a different country, and, and uh, um, a lot. Of, I mean, I still work for the company, but a lot of Americans, a lot of my friends, they lost out. You know, and, and uh, the American people, they need to start supporting not Hillary Clinton because Hillary Clinton is part of the problem. They need to start supporting people like Bernie Sanders, and they need to get out. I hopefully today, if they. Li- living in the Super Tuesday uh, states, and vote for him because we need change. If I could respond. Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely. Les? I think if he he looks at his company closely, uh, he will find that over the years they have used more and more of their money for stock buybacks. The reason they're uh, moving jobs to lower-wage areas is probably because they're trying to free up money uh, for their stock buybacks. It's just it's just what they do. That's how they get paid. That's what they do. Uh, and you know, as we move forward, this election is going to be over pretty soon, and we're going to have to think about how we build a movement to take back the country after the election. I think one of the good things that uh, uh, the Democratic primary has done is it's made clear that you know just putting a person in office is not going to change this. We have to build something very broad. And that broadness requires that we come out of our issue silos, the places where we, we're comfortable in, 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 let's say, the environmental issue or identity politics issues or labor issues. We're, we're get comfortable in our, in our silo. We have an identity, and it's empowering. But, in fact, we're not winning, <laughs> and we're not going to be able to take reverse runaway inequality until we kind of come out of our silos 
and all from our different angles start to attack runaway inequality. It's a tall order. I know people are going to wonder what you know what I had to drink for lunch, but uh, <laughs> uh, it's just it's a tall order. But nothing short of this is is is, is going to work. You know. Uh, by the way, all the proceeds from this book go back into a national economic education campaign. They don't go to me personally. We are trying, we're working with a bunch of uh, unions and community groups to build a national educational infrastructure like the populists had back in the 1880s when they waged a pitch battle for 20 years against Wall Street. They had 6,000 educators running around the country. We need about 30,000. We're, tra- we're beginning to train that army uh, to be able to run workshops all around the country using this book as a text and other materials to try to help, help the American people understand right. why we have to come together. Absolutely. Les, thank you. It's been a pleasure. We'll have you back, I'm sure. Les Leopold, Executive Director of the Labor Institute in New York. His website is runawayinequality.org. Follow him on Twitter at Les underscore Leopold, L-E-O-P-O-L-E-D.